0: Okay. <laughs> That Running Show, a podcast for all runners, shapes, sizes, and speed. Now, uh, we've taken a little break over the wintertime, but now we are back, and we've got a very special guest with us today, uh, Chaz Davis, who is going to be joining us and talking a little bit about uh, Achilles International. He's going to be uh, telling us a little bit about uh, Lieber's Hereditary optic neuropathy.
1: You got to give me something easier than that.
0: Yeah, uh, it's also co- referred to as um, Elhan.
1: Elhan. Yes. Okay. And
0: we'll get into that a little bit more, but um, before we do, you know, have you been running throughout the winter, Mister Yoder? You
1: know, I do my thing. So I, so I'm competing, uh, basically. April, May to... What, what do you compete like? I compete like April, May through like November. And yeah. then I do my last 5K around December. And then December, like January through March, I believe, maybe you disagree, You should be, that should be like off-season.
0: No, I kept running.
1: You kept running? But yeah. I, I mean... I kept running, yeah. but I wasn't out there killing myself. I was jogging. I, you know, I know that's not a good word to say with runners. Oh but I was, man,
0: I was doing hills. I was uh, doing some intervals. Why? Because of my embarrassing performance at the Harvard Marathon last year. And if I'm going to do it again this year, I'm not going to have that same time. Uh, <laughs> the time of which okay. we do not speak.
1: So, <laughs> so was it that bad? You don't have to tell me. We don't it? have to
0: talk about it. All yeah, right, we won't we'll talk about I it. I finished. I got my medal. I didn't give up because of uh-huh. the time that looked that I had ahead of me.
1: So Okay, so let me get my head around this. So I, be- I walked
0: into the medical tent, if you'll recall, at the end of the that yeah. race, which I've never done before. And they gave me a couple of Motrin. And then all of a sudden, like 15 minutes later, I'm like, I'm just a wussy. So, I'm it, just getting it, out of yeah. here.
1: <laughs> so instead, instead of enjoying an off-season like you should for, no, that for, me. for two or three months, you finished what should have been your regular season before we get into the cold off-season. And then you were not happy with your time. Mm-hmm. So, I was actually
0: going to run some of those Excel Center races that they have indoors. But so you went nuts. It. It's
1: a dangerous thing because some of these guys who train hard through the winter, then they've been training all winter. Then especially if you have a mild winter like we kind of did, they keep going strong. And by the time it's go time, by go time I mean like Easter, like it's warming up and it's time to race. A lot of those guys are sidelined and they they miss like the the prime time. The prime time racing season is April through
0: November. I'm stretching, hydrating. I'm doing everything I need to do. With a break in the worst of the summer. Switching up shoes even. Switching up shoes. Yeah, remember how the shoes threw me off last year? All right, well, so you... now I'm like doing. I'm mixing up. Like I've got a rotation of my Brooks to my Hoka's to my.
1: What are you doing? Do you alternate? Yeah. So every so you have two so two I'm pairs of shoes used or three one
0: pair. Yeah, I've well, I'm phasing into two right now. You're uh, phasing yeah. into two. So my Nikes, I'm actually just using as like the yard work shoes now. So
1: like we mentioned with the sound runner guys, so it's every, you're, you're switching your shoes every other time. So they fully, they fully unfold. Yeah. And then, and then hit them again.
0: Yeah. But yeah, that's just part of what I'm doing. Yeah. And if I feel anything, I start icing it, but, but yeah, so I, I was supposed to run a half marathon in two weeks, but that one was canceled because there were not enough people, uh, uh, registered for it, so now I've just got that Ragnar relay coming up in three weeks. Yeah,
1: I've got a half... just, you know, fun. Where's, where's Ragnar? Where are it's you It's the Ragnar? Cape Cod one. Oh, you're doing the Cape one, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How many, like, team of 12? Yeah. Everybody goes three times,
0: and you cover, like, 200 miles? Yeah. Uh, yeah. About so, that? Yeah, each runner probably does anywhere between, like, 13 to 20. Yeah. I'm doing, I think, 19, 18. Yeah. So... Chaz, hey.
1: Matt and I did a Ragnar race. Um, I did it with him. We did one where you went up to uh, probably where you're from. Like, they don't call it what, – what's it Gillette now, right? It used yeah. to be Foxborough Stadium, but it used to end That's in what Fox this one's turned Stadium. into is
0: the Cape Cod one because yeah. they were going to make it from Yale to Harvard, but Yale and Harvard were like conflicting to the point where they didn't want it starting at one school and ending at the other. Yeah. With their whole
1: yeah, – Yeah, that whole thing. Yeah,
0: their whole – thing they got going on. So
1: there. so what we're talking about, and this probably wouldn't interest you, because Chaz is a very good runner. He's Chaz, put, is he, a,
0: Chaz is a phenomenal runner. He's
1: putting up 420 miles, which we're not putting up any 420 miles. So you strike me as somebody who probably wouldn't be that interested in running on a team of uh, 12 people where you sleep in a van overnight and you cover distance. Have you ever heard of this kind of thing?
2: Yeah, I mean, I have heard of it, but, you know, I just have never been involved in it or even asked to be involved in it. But I mean, it's definitely something I would, you know, at some point try to do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It, it's a pretty sneaky van by the end of that 24 hours. It's Chaz. brutal. It's, it's, you know It's, uh, it's more of a camaraderie thing, Chaz. It's one of those things where you, you better be in a van of six people, uh, who you like because there's always the point in the middle of the night where you start getting delirious. You have some good laughs, right? Uh, nobody wants to run the last leg, but they do anyway. But, but uh, either way, let's move on. Let's talk about Chaz. So today we have with us Chaz. Is it DeVise? It's, it is Davis. No, <laughs> is it? no it's, it's Davis. Chad yeah. Davis. The boss. And uh, Joe Dierte is a D1 runner at uh, University of Hartford. In fact, we are sitting in his uh, dorm right now. I am looking at a lot of swim, sp- Sports Illustrated swimsuit uh, posters on the wall and yes. uh, Bud Light and Natural Light. Um, wallpapering another wall. It w- wonderfully decorated place, by the way, uh, Chad. Yeah, it's a, you
1: know, a typical college dorm. <laughs> bar signs. Remember when bar signs, like that tiki bar, remember when that was like gold? Oh, I, yeah. I worked for Budweiser briefly, and oh, man, those bar signs were, were, were just gold up here. So when did you get into running? When did you realize you were a good runner? Before your condition came into play and all that, wh- when did it start for you? Honestly, I think it started with the gym class mile. I think it starts for a lot of people that way, but. Same, that's how it started with me.
2: Yeah, so um, in seventh grade was the first time I even tried doing the gym class mile. Sixth grade, I just walked it because I just didn't want to try running at all. Cause, yeah. I mean, who wants to run? That's not a sport that a lot of people do, you know? But then um, seventh grade rolled around, and uh, for the first, first time ever, I decided to actually run the mile. And I was able to
1: run, I think, around 5.45. In yeah. seventh grade.
0: In, in seventh grade that's, yeah
1: that's impressive that's a flag and uh that's like this this kid's got something going on right
2: yeah i mean that's what my middle school gym teacher had told me um he was actually a sprint coach at worcester state college and so you know he kind of had a background in running and all of that and that's kind of how he told me um you know you may actually be pretty good at running so yeah. you probably should try and <laughs> yeah. pursue that
0: so yeah. you pursued it
2: through further, high school. Yeah. Yep, yep. Pursued it through high school. You know, freshman year, um, I went from around a five-minute mile. I ran in eighth grade, then four forty-four. You um, did a four
1: forty-four as a freshman. As a freshman, high school. yeah. Okay. Freshman in high school, man. Mm-hmm. So you were you were right <laughs> on the map. Like the coach was the week. We got somebody new coming in. And he's doing a four forty-four, and they were pretty excited to have you. I'm imagining. Yeah,
2: yeah. You know, there's another guy on the team who is pretty good. So, and my coach you know, he's an avid runner as well, and he's run a couple marathons, and, you know, he pretty much trained with us every single day, and he would run with me day in and day out, and even drive to my house for, um, a couple long runs, which at that point in time was only about eight miles, but, yeah, so it's, it's definitely increased since then, but, um, you know, yeah, it was, it was a time where, um, I really was just getting into running and trying to understand it, and my coach ran for Providence College, so he'd had a really good running background especially on the collegiate scene so you know it kind of gave me some insight into what that might be like as well
0: yeah so what uh, what was your pinnacle by your senior year uh, had you won any uh, state level competitions and... yeah what times did you get to by your senior year
2: um well I got down to 946 in the two mile and um and a 429 mile at that point and that actually took place during my junior year and senior year. I was plagued with injury and a whole bunch of other things that kind of left it where you know I, I really wasn't competing at at my best at that point. So, you know, I, I slowly um, increased um, my performance. I'd say from freshman year until junior year, and um, you know, my sophomore year, I won the Division Four state title for indoor track in the two mile, and then. Nice. Um, you know, I wasn't able to go to the all-state meet because I developed tendinitis in my left foot that just was unbearable at that point. So I didn't even end up running in that race, but then um Yeah. But then junior year was just a lot more successful um cross country-wise. I finished 8th in the all-state meet. Nice. Um and I was run
1: on a golf course, which is really nice. And uh, So you're very yeah. much on the map as an extremely strong
0: competitor yeah. in,
1: in cross-country and track. And the junior year, which is probably when a lot of the coaches are, are taking a look at you anyway, right?
0: Right, right. Were you recruited by the University of Hartford?
2: It, it's funny. You know, I really wasn't recruited by them. Um, you know, I looked at a, probably three or four other schools before I even looked here, and One of my rivals from high school, he's from Auburn, which is about 15, 20 minutes from where I live in Grafton, Massachusetts. He ended up going to the University of Hartford. And because, you know, we were such close rivals and also good friends as well, you know, I decided to take a look here and really like the camaraderie of the team and um, at the time the coach. And, you know, that, that really just got me to actually come here and, you know, be a part of this team.
0: And were they excited to have you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know the the team was was very solid then, and, um, and and it still is now. And you know they were definitely excited, and as I you know as I was too. And you know to really make the next step and in, um, into my
0: collegiate running. Now that makes me want to ask you the next question. You you've come here. You're settling in as a college student, starting to step out independently on your own. Very exciting times! You're hitting the cross country, cross country and track team, right? Right, cross country and track team, and that is when you that is when you realized you had L Lhon or L H O N or Lieber's hereditary optic neuropathy.
2: Yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I was able to get through the cross country season fine. This is what what year? Is this your? This is my freshman year. Freshman so, year. So, yeah. Yeah. so you know, I was eighteen, nineteen. Um, so I got through the cross country season fine. Yeah. No, no problems whatsoever. No, No problems that I would even foresee in the future at that point. Right. Then indoor track, same thing, you know, running pretty fast times again. Um, similar to what I was running my junior year, maybe a little bit faster, actually. Then after the indoor season had concluded, there was a little time in between indoor track and outdoor track. And it was in that time period where I first, um, started to lose my sight, and, you know, that was a, a huge event for me. You know, I woke up one day, and I had class that morning, and when I opened my eyes, I realized that there was um, an odd-looking thing in my right eye that looked as if, you know, I was staring into the sun too long or something like that. And I thought, wow, maybe I just need, I just need to go to sleep again or I'm sick or something like that. Right. So I ended up going to the class, and... Um, You know, I covered my left eye just for no reason at all. And I was struggling to see out of my right eye, you know, so I could see perfectly fine out of my left eye at the time, but then was really struggling to see out of my right eye. And just the day before, I was perfectly fine. You know, there's no problem.
1: So are you completely
2: freaking out at this point or just like, I need to get checked out? Oh, no. Um, After I did that and I came back and took another nap just because, you know, naps solve everything. Yeah. <laughs> it, it ended up not solving that problem. Right. So, you know, first thing, I, I was a college freshman, so I, naturally I had to call my parents up and say, you know, maybe I should go to the hospital and get this thing checked out. And my parents said at the time, you know, just sleep it off and take see where you nap. are. Yeah. Take here's another pres- nap. Here's a prescription yeah. for one more right. nap. Yeah, and then you know maybe maybe it'll be
1: better by tomorrow. So we landed on naps do not cure blindness.
2: That's that's what we're trying okay. to what just, we're trying to get at here. Yeah,
1: just trying to reach the audience, you mm-hmm. know, with my medical
0: expertise. So when did you decide to finally go and seek medical help?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I was really persistent with my parents at that time, and I kind of said, you know, no, I really need to get this checked out. This is not something that I think is going away. I mean, you know, because I naturally I was just freaking out about it. Yeah. So my mom came down that night, so she got there pretty late. We live about an hour and a half from the school. And she ended up bringing me to St. Francis Hospital in Hartford. Yep. And I was there for three days with a whole battery of tests done on me. I went through CT scans, MRIs. I had braces at the time, Yeah. which is crazy. I had braces for seven years or some crazy nonsense like yeah. that. And they had to take the braces off for the MRI. So it was this huge ordeal. And at the end of all of that, they didn't even come back with a diagnosis at the time. Really? Yep. So yeah. so, um, <sighs> so no diagnosis. So I was in the hospital for you know half a week or so, and then they pretty much just sent me back to go to school again. And so I went to school and continued to run, although the sight in my right eye was, was definitely deteriorating from its central point, moving outward. So you know, for most of the spring, I had no central vision at all in my right eye, but I had the peripheral vision in that eye, as well as pretty much my entire vision in my left eye. And so, you know, I, I ran a couple of 1500 meter races that spring.
1: Outdoor track. Outdoor track. Yeah. Right.
2: And, you know, I ran, um, pretty well even. And then as soon as, um, you know the the summer as soon as i was starting to finish school and take finals and everything that's when the same thing that had started with my right eye was happening with the left eye as
1: well so end of freshman end of freshman year mm-hmm. you're you're competing and you can see well enough to get by and everything but you know something's very much going right. on and they found nothing at this point
2: yeah so i was competing virtually just seeing out of one eye at that point yeah and then, were you supposed
0: to follow up with any other sort of like a, a ophthalmologist, obstetrician? Yeah. Sort of...
2: So, I mean, you know, I had seen um, an ophthalmologist, a retinal specialist, because we didn't know what at that point was the issue. And then, you know, we went to several other places and they just could not find a definitive diagnosis. They thought that maybe somehow I had sim- simultaneously had two strokes at the same time that affected some crazy nonsense that just was not the
1: case. Just didn't seem plausible, yeah, it, it right? Yeah, I, right, right, I
0: had two strokes at the same time, but yet I can run a 4:44 mile. Yeah, yeah of, I, don't, I don't know about 4, that, so, Yeah.
1: You're like 19 or 20 or you know, you're in perfect health otherwise.
0: What's going on in your head at this time? Yeah,
2: so at that time I said, "You know what? That's fine. We if I if I only have one eye, we can still work with that. You know, I can still drive a car, I can still do all that stuff. I'll just go through life with one eye. That's fine." But then, you know, when the other start, well, when the other eye started to go, that's when I kind of realized, well, wow, you know, it's not, it's not the case, you know, that's something a lot worse than what I initially expected. And what time frame was that when
1: the other eye started going?
2: So it started in March, and then by the end of May, that's when the other eye was definitely starting to, um, you know, have go through similar issues, but at a slower rate than the first eye. Okay. So then. Um, we finally found a specialist at Tufts in Boston, and he was able to come back with a diagnosis. And this was in the beginning of June. So an, ophthal-
1: um, an ophthalmologist? Yeah, yeah. He was specialized A specialized retina expert or something like that?
2: It, it was a, a neuro-ophthalmologist. And so he kind of described um, what he thought it was because he had seen a couple cases like that before. And, you know, you could only confirm it through br- blood work. And so, you know, I ended up getting lab work done and, you know, it, it would come back later that week, but he kind of explained how, you know, only a hundred people in the United States get it every, every year, only, only 4,000 people in the United States even have it at all. You know, maybe the number's even less than that. But basically he said that, you know, you're going to slowly lose sight in both of your eyes to the point where, you know, you're definitely going to be legally blind and, It's it's irreversible. So you know your site's just not
0: going to come back. What what do you? I mean, what's your first reaction to that? You're
1: you're, so sorry. Go ahead.
2: You you know my my first reaction would be you know just like any any form of grief, kind of um, you know just denial. Nah, you know it's my site will come back eventually. You know maybe this will pass. Whatever. Right. You know it's not it's not that big of a deal. And and I was still even driving my car. I was able to do that. Until July. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, I actually, the early July, I pulled out of my driveway. I looked down the road, and, and I said, wow, I just cannot see down the road at all. I can barely see. So I had to pull back into my driveway, and then that was the last time I ever drove a car.
1: Now, where, where are you in what year at that point? That's
2: Yeah, so that this is literally, you know, months right after, um, you know, that, that freshman year when I had the initial... Um, onset that happened in March. So this is the you know July just a few months later. Yeah. when this all happened. Summer when you're at
0: home. Yeah,
2: so you know, after I gave up my car keys that day, I was working at a golf course at the time and you know, I had my my one of my parents drive me to work there every single day because I wasn't able to get there myself. And so I was still able to do a lot of the things but slowly and slowly um it it became you know, pretty, it, you know, it, it was, it was a thing inhibiting. where, yeah, it, it was inhibiting, you know, and I wasn't able to, to do what I once had before. So, I mean, that kind of just, you know, I had that sinking feeling and then, you know, kind of just went into a depression at that point And, um, you know, so this kind of time frame I'd say July, mm, June through August, I just wasn't running at all, you
1: know, just because I just didn't want to, that just wasn't, so during That's the off season in that summer you weren't running and and you were just probably emotionally in a pretty rough place i would think
2: right right
1: and that and then and genetically what how did they give you the breakdown on that
2: yeah, so i mean they they came back with the with the blood work and said that they confirmed that I did have one of the three main strain um strands of uh or strains rather of um the disease you know labor hereditary optic neuropathy. And because, because I had one of those three, um, mutations, you know, um, it, they could trace it back through, um, you know, the mitochondria, the DNA back to my mom. So she also had, had the same thing. And
0: then, yeah. So tell us a little bit about this disease. Yeah. Explain it to us, to our listeners.
2: Yeah. So, so the disease it's, it's a hereditary disease. So it's passed down. Um, Mitochondrially from mother to offspring. So, because my mom carried the gene, she passed it on to my brother, who is 19 now, and I. And so, so far, I'm the only one that's affected by it. So, there was something that happened in my life that triggered the gene to
1: cause my sight and my vision loss to become active. And, right. and your mother wasn't aware she. No. So, well, I mean, obviously not, but she didn't, she had no idea she was carrying this very rare disease, which would eventually render you legally blind.
0: Right, right. So what are the odds that this gene would actually kick in throughout um, your lifetime? If somebody is a carrier, like your brother, are are there a percentage?
2: Yeah. uh, You know, because my brother is a, is a carrier of the gene, he has a 50% chance. So if you're a male, it's about 50% female. It's less, you know, more in the 20% range. Um, but you know, the thing is, unless you have a family history of it, not many people know that they even carry the gene at all. So, you know, there are a couple of things that, you know, smoke, even campfire smoke, whatever it may be, that could be a trigger. There are certain environmental triggers, but you know, for me, I had no idea what exactly the trigger would have been, but
1: you wouldn't have known what to avoid right, anyway. Exactly. So, yeah.
2: Exactly. So, you know, it, 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 didn't really matter at that point.
1: So, so. At, at what point Did you start to come to terms with this and decide that you wanted to continue with running despite the fact that you were having tremendous difficulty seeing?
2: Well, you know, so August was approaching and I had just got done um, with another specialist down in Atlanta, Georgia. And so the first doctor I talked to said, you probably shouldn't run or do any strenuous activities because that would take away from the energy that your mitochondria needs to even preserve the vision that you do have left. And then, you know, so that's kind of, that kind of added to me not wanting to run too. Right. So then when I saw the specialist in Atlanta, she kind of gave um contradicting evidence to say that exercise would actually help in, in some cases. And so, you know, being a runner, I immediately jumped at the chance to keep doing that. So, um, that kind of gave me a little bit of hope and I just started, you know, jogging around the track, um, at my, my high school, you know, just running eight minute pace around the track, you know, nothing, Nothing too crazy, you know, for a, for a college runner, but
1: get some muscle memory going, see what it might be like, what it feels like. And maybe it's an opportunity to hammer out some of this, uh, potential stress or depression or or whatever you have going on with it emotionally.
2: Right, right. Yeah. I definitely use that as an outlet because, you know, running's always been that outlet for me and then
1: healthy outlet.
2: Yeah. So to, to lose that was, was a huge thing for me. So I I definitely wanted to continue doing that even if it wasn't necessarily
0: a competitive level. Mm. and you could have spiraled downward instead you said no way i'm not letting that happen right right i'm gonna kick this thing's ass with endorphins yeah yeah, that
2: that was really the goal there and then you know so as this time was really approaching i mean i was about to go back to school again and then i was thinking um you know i I don't want to really talk to anyone through therapy or anything like that but i need to have a goal in mind something that'll that'll give me hope to to keep on going. Yeah. And so, you know, I heard about the Paralympics. I had no idea what it was before this point. And then, you know, just got kind of basic information on what the Paralympics were and stuff like that. And then, you know, this was 2013 at that point, And I said, you know, 2016, I want to go to the Paralympics and compete there.
1: And And how how often are the Paralympics?
2: You know, it runs right with right on the Olympic schedule, just two weeks after that, in the same location and everything like that. So, I mean, you know, Paralympics just means that you know it runs alongside the Olympics. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, you know, I I got a little basic information about that and kind of kept it in the back of my mind, but wasn't really making at that time the great strides that I would need to compete at that level. Right. You know, I was kind of just exercising for myself and again, using it as as an outlet for emotion and and mental health and stuff like that. But then, um, you know, I went back to school and I was able to continue running with my team. Um, But, you know, they had more responsibility, you know, now that I was legally blind because, you know, they'd have to point out certain things. And Make sure I don't get hit by a car and that kind of thing. So you're
1: running, you're running division one now with the goal of the Paralympics, and your teammates are finding out that you're you've lost the majority of your vision. It's safe to say, right? Yeah, yeah. So
2: I mean, you know, I kind of kept most of them and in the loop.
0: The so entire what you're time. saying is also that the school didn't want you running because of the possible um, hazards uh, involved with your, your loss of vision.
2: No, I, w- I wouldn't say that. No. Um, you know, my coaches were very supportive of it, um, but they probably thought that I would just kind of take a sideline to it and, and just, you know, still be part of the team, but just not the whole running aspect of it. You know, just kind of kind of there, but not, you know, not competing or not running, but... You know, I had other plans. Yeah, you're no, right. you're no water boy. Nah, you're nobody's nah. mascot, right? <laughs> you don't <Yeah. know? laughs>
0: need the big hawk outfit. Yeah. you want to be Rudy <laughs> or whatever, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. Wow. So, so how does it work when they yeah. when they run with you? So, is somebody like would take a turn, like being on so your side. So, when could you start competing again?
2: Yeah. So, um, to answer both of the, both of those questions, you know, I'm running alongside someone all my teammates now, you know, they know what to do, what to call out, that kind of thing. And most of them I can just run alongside them. And because my, you know, people always say, oh, your other senses must be heightened. And and that's actually true. You know, when you do lose a sense, I feel as though you pay attention more to your other senses. So, you know, hearing and and all of that, I pay a a lot of attention to hearing and then also how it feels on my feet and and stuff like that, you know, where my footfall is and all Mm -hmm. of that. So, you know, I'm not tripping on things, and so I listen to my, my teammates, what they have to say, as well as just running alongside them, and then I kind of just have a have a baseline off of that, and so that's how I'm able to train with them. And when I started to compete again, it was um, after the cross-country season, my junior year is when I started to compete. So I took the entire sophomore season, all three of those seasons off completely from, from racing but I was still training with the team for right. a little bit. Adjusting. Yeah. Yeah, 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 just a little bit here and there. But, you know, I had gone from my my race weight, which was around, you know, one 135 at the time. How tall are you? I'm 5'9". Okay. So my, my race weight my freshman year was around 135. Lean. Yeah, So and believe it or not, sophomore, sophomore year I rolled around. And after winter then, I ballooned up to, you know, 170 pounds and you know i think that kind of i would attribute that to just the the whole depression thing and not um you know not really caring about um you know my image or anything like that you know because because obviously i had other things i was dealing with
0: just so you know having kids will do the same thing to you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> so so you know then um then junior year rolled around and and that summer between sophomore year and junior year that's when i Um, really started to, um, you know, be serious about training. So, you know, I would go on the treadmill every single day and run anywhere from, you know, six to eight miles every day uh, for the most part, I'd say. And then, you know, so I was kind of starting off light again. So it was similar training to my freshman year, but not anything, you know, too extensive. And then um, going into my junior year, that's when I started training with the team um, doing workouts with the team and things of that nature. But I did not compete in the cross-country season, obviously, for logistical reasons. Um, but then, you know, the because first... Because
0: of the the fact that the, you're jumping over things, you're running on, on uneven ground, there could be rocks, there could be curbs, all yeah. sorts of difficult things that you could wipe out off of.
2: It, exactly. And, you know, I wouldn't have my teammates necessarily there the entire time to to tell me about all of those things. So, right. you know, it, just, it was not something at that time. And I'll tell you at that time that I was able to do, uh, but then indoor track, uh, rolled around and the first meet my coach entered me in and I was a little hesitant about it because, you know, I wasn't, I'd never run a race on the track blind before and I didn't even think I could do it at that point.
1: It's a fair concern. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd say so, you know, and, um, it's more predictable ground than cross country racing though. I mean, that's,
2: yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that was the one good thing, you know, the, the terrain never changed. You so, know, it just always remained the same there, so I didn't have to worry about the footing, but...
1: So where was your first race? Were you at like, like we used to race and in, and in, in co- I, I ran in college as well at UConn and, and and high school and we used to run at Yale a lot. Was where the state and the class meets were. Was it something like that, like a two hundred meter track or a, a? Some of them are in gymnasiums and
0: yeah. Uh, so the Yale track is the worst. Yeah, yeah. it is those long ten <laughs> hour meets we used to have there, big man. Stinky building. State opens the state, the opens, meter, the state yeah. meets. Oh, People
1: running God. into the wall. Get, running after. <laughs> running get home meter. at like five yeah. in the morning. Oh, my God
2: god yeah so this first one it was at uh it was at vermont and you guys are talking about 200 meter tracks this was a 160 meter yeah and and they claimed it had a bank there was no bank yeah yeah i've run
1: on 160s and i've run on banks up at bu and and then yes Yeah. Banks are
0: nicer. Banks are nicer, <laughs> especially for 160 meters. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Although maybe not for your first race, though, because yeah, you can you, just you can hanging on the whole time. Uh, on, yeah. on the turns, if you go off the bank, <laughs> then you're kind of screwed for a while. That, that's
2: that. Yeah. Yeah. But oh. but you know, so it was a it was a 3000 I was running, and there are so many people entered in the race that you know I I had passed a guy, um, or it, actually someone passed me, and I thought it was just someone who was behind me, but. In reality, it was the guy who was lapping me, so yeah. i started, I started to run with him, thinking that he was um trying to beat you. trying to beat me, but no, he was actually just lapping me, but you know I didn't know that because I could just barely make out who it was and that kind of thing so that was it was interesting and you know it was it was nowhere near my p r but i you know I ran nine twenty two or something like that, but um you know it was just really cool being back on the track and finishing the race, not getting disqualified for for tripping or going off the track or anything like that. It was just really nice. great experience. Yeah. So that was a
1: good thing to kind a of get out of the way. Good. Right. Yeah,
2: right. Right. So that first one get out of the way and then, you know, I felt a lot, you know, my nerves went down a lot more after that. And so, um, then, you know, I probably ran three or more races that season and, you know, I got down to, uh, a then PR at the time it was a nine Oh two and the three K. And, um, you know, so I was pretty happy with how that season went. And, you know, then I was, it was time to transition into um, the outdoor season. Right. And, and, you know, so I ended up that season doing a lot of the same thing. And I ran the 5K and, and ran. Um, I got down to a PR of 1536 at that time. Yeah. And, you know, I was really happy with how that things were going. that was your junior going. year? Yeah, that was my junior year.
1: And then Good that Lord, that's moving. Yeah, that is moving. That's cooking, man. I've been yeah, trying. Really I'm, I'm in my 40s, but we both are, but I've been trying. Uh, I'll never get to the times. Neither of us will get to the times we were when we were your age, but mm-hmm. trying to break 18 or <laughs> 15,
0: 30, Yeah.
1: I mean, oh, it's humbling. Yeah. It's humbling on so many levels, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just
0: it's, there's genetics there. Yeah. That, that goes back to my genetics argument. People, <laughs> Some people can just process, you know, they can just. Suck oxygen yeah. out of their blood more. Just respirate. Um, so, enough about our complaints yeah. about <laughs> our we, lack of abilities. Whatever. Let's talk about your abilities here.
2: Yeah. So, you know, that summer was my first taste at the, the Paralympic kind of thing, too. So, um, I, I went to the, the national championship and that was out in Minneapolis. And um, so, because of how I was performing that season um, for my college team, you know, they took that time and you know, kind of considered that, and then they invited me to the Parapan American Games, and the, that was in Toronto. Yeah. And so I, w- I was chosen to run the 5,000-meter race there, and, you know, so that was against um, people from from all over the Americas and, and stuff like that. Right. So it was, it was my first, you know, taste at international competition as well as the, the Paralympic experience. So, um, you know, it was a, it was a great time and, you know, I ended up taking uh silver medal there. And, um, so, you know, I, I was That's really, awesome. yeah, I was really happy with how, how those things were going and, and how racing was going at that time. And right before I left, I, um, got news that I was getting a new coach and, um, you know, so I was kind of a little skeptical at first because, you know, I, we, we had a, a whole slew of problems with previous coaches and things of that nature and then. You know, just getting another coach going into my senior year, you know, it's a a huge adjustment. Right. But, you know, it ended up being the the best situation for me. And by the end, you know, he had me training um, 85, 90 miles a
1: week at that time. All through the cross country season. It's a lot of running. It's a lot yeah. of running. So so that, that's exactly twice what I do. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. And yeah. That, a good week for me is like a, a really good week. I try to keep it around like between thirty eight and like forty five. Yeah, and
0: that and that's really good too, you know. And what'd you get like a one point eight that semester or a GPA or Me? I mean, like, did you have any time to study? I mean I would just be sleeping all the and time. Ha- and, all how, that. and how None. did
1: you study? I'm sorry we're firing questions yeah, at you. I mean, you're so studying, I mean
2: then you're running eighty. Was, yeah, I mean, you know that somehow through all of this, the 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 studies never were really affected, not by the disease or the running or anything. It just, you know, I, I was able to. Um, unbelievable. My first semester back, yeah, actually, you know, I got a three point seven five. Three
0: point seven five, but you're yeah. losing your vision, and you so, had to learn in a different way. Now, how do mm-hmm. how were you learning? How in a do you do way? notes cards? How do you were there read? a lot your, of books on tape? Or? Yeah, yeah. So you know,
2: now my laptop it has a program on it called JAWS, which is um. It's a screen reader program that will virtually read the screen and then output it through an auditory kind of format. Okay. And so you know, I'm able to to listen to that, and um, you know, that's how I use my phone as well. You know, it just outputs it through um, through the speakers, and I'm able to you know read text messages, go on Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, all those kind of things that you know. Voice a lot dictation. Of people... all yeah, that. yeah. So I mean, were you know, you listening that's... to
0: that while you were running. No. No, no, nope.
2: so <laughs> so you know a lot of you know th- that helps me do a lot of the things that you know I once did and that that pretty much everyone else around me does. So you know it helps me um, you know feel feel normal, which is which is good, I think.
1: Yeah,
0: now that's interesting. You use that word, you feel normal. When, yeah, when you go to um, competitions. Yeah. Do do they make announcements like uh, we've got a, a runner here who um, is visually impaired? You oh have no! To make sure you Or you just line up with everybody else.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I use that that term normal. Just, I mean, j- just because I want to feel like like the rest of my peers and my classmates okay. and everything comfortable. Yeah, comfortable. Yeah. So normal is not the right word, and you okay. know pe- people might get a little upset that I use that. But you know, I, I do feel normal, and that's and that's the the thing that you know I want people to understand as well that. You know, I don't feel any different from anyone else just because I don't have my vision. But no, you know, when I do go to meets, honestly, people don't even know. The people I, people I race don't know. The meet directors oftentimes don't know. So I don't
1: know that I would have known when we met today. And, by the I, way, you're I,
0: not normal with the times that you were. Yeah, <laughs> by no, like, by complete, no means is that normal. a nature yeah. in these situations. I've got 20, <laughs> 20
1: vision, and I'm nowhere near 15, <laughs> yeah. 30. And to, to your point, I wouldn't have noticed really much going on with you. You kind of had your cane folded in your hand, and, yeah. and but you get around okay. And what, yeah. what I wanted to ask you, like, so right now for the listeners – uh me and Matt are both sitting about 3 or 4 feet on either side of you. So mm. right now do you you're aware I'm here but do you see my the features on my face oh, no. or no? So what do you I see? mean
2: even, it wouldn't matter how close I was I would not be able to see the features on anyone's face. But mm-hmm. you know I can see that you're physically there just I you know I can kind of see that there's a blurred object. Like if I move
1: my arms like yeah, this, yeah, so you st- I
2: can still see that.
1: You can see something,
2: but just out of my peripheral vision. Yeah, that's
0: why I, I, I can see you're on. looking. You're looking forward. And yeah. you're looking at them with the periphery there. Right,
2: right. So I, I use that, and then that's when people, that's when people start to notice because I'm not looking at people in the eyes necessarily. Okay, but you know that's the only way I'd be able to to use my vision in any you know viable sense.
1: So let's say it's a typical day. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have anyone to really to to help you get around, to go out on the road or run or something like that. Mm-hmm. Ideal situation is you can get to the track okay and go on the track or like a treadmill I is do the, ideal.
2: Yeah, so I'll do the treadmill uh, more often than not if I don't have someone to run with. Yeah, I, I might actually do that later for my double tonight. Yeah, so, um but yeah, so you know, I go to the, the the treadmill and then um I just I'm able to if I look really close enough, I can see the numbers enough to know kind of what, what I'm doing, kind of what pace, what pace I'm running at. And, you know, I feel too, you know, I can feel, I'm pretty good at gauging what pace I'm doing, Mm -hmm. which is good. And I think that's a a skill I've picked up ever since I did lose
1: my sight. So Um, what, um, what does the future hold? What are we doing?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, um, from there, you know, I, I forgot to say, yeah. So, so when I was, when I was getting in shape and I was able to PR in the mile you know I got down to a 420 mile in a workout 420 oh my god yeah and then you know and
0: your PR for your 5k 420. again
2: yeah so PR for the 5k is uh 1456 now um and so that that cross country season my coach was saying the whole time he said you know what Chaz we're getting you running a cross country race you're running conference championship yeah and I, and I said but- wow you were you were crazy I'm not doing 56. that.
1: That's awesome. Do it. Go to Google, uh, so Google Pace Calculator, and it brings you to Cool Runnings Pace Calculator. Yeah. Oh uh,
0: 1456, what is that per mile? So that's uh, that's, that's, that's 448. Four 448. Four and Eight. if we broke that down to one lap.
2: Yeah, it's, a, it's around um, 36 seconds per, per
0: 200, so <gasps> 72s. Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's like... That's um, sprinting.
0: That's sprinting for me right now. It's like one <laughs> lap with them I'd be I, like I think I'd have well the sidelines. Just you got it. you got the rest of this? <laughs> I, yeah.
1: I I think that's at best a controlled sprint for me, <laughs> yeah. even as well. Yeah. yeah. I'm just thinking out loud here, but
0: that's 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 that's. I can run downhill that pace. Yeah, like a good downhill. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, that's great. You'll you'll find as you get older, Chaz, and, and and uh, you'll the long distance running will hold up pretty decently, but not like not like at your age, and and not at. Oh, 5K. okay, yeah. Why don't you yeah. give that to look forward to? Yeah, like, <laughs> Debbie but, Downer over yeah. there, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, but,
0: just so you know, Chaz, live I don't it up know. now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, live it up now. No. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll, I'll now, just live in the present for now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fair and, enough. And don't listen to this podcast afterwards. Now should uh, I just leave now? At this point, <laughs> I'll just
1: I'll just go. You guys finish it up.
0: Let's now you're trading. Now you're getting ready for the Paralympic Games. Mm-hmm. That's very exciting, and the Paralympic Games are going to be in Montre- Montreal. No, in um in Brazil. In Brazil, yeah. that's right. Oh yes, Brazil. Yes, they're cleaning up Brazil right now, yeah, so that you don't trying. get kidnapped yeah. when you go down. Right. And uh, so, strong economy of Brazil. Yeah. You've got, right, right. You've got uh, the time. The trials coming up in a couple weeks.
2: Yeah. So the trial. Yeah, the trials will be in uh, July, the beginning of July. Okay, July first week, and then um, yeah, so that's down in Charlotte,
0: in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm very exciting. It's going to be a little hot that time outdoor track. Yeah, yeah. So what we'll, we'll what time are you shooting for there?
2: Um I'm not even sure, really. Um you said in you the
0: know, 15s probably yeah, so, just to qualify.
2: Yeah, so we'll see um I mean probably around, you know, in the 1450s if I if I can, but you know, I'll be probably running by myself for the most part. Um so we'll we'll see what what I can do in terms of that. Um but you know I'm going to be training pretty hard this entire summer and hopefully I can be down in the in the 1430s that's that's pretty much my goal once um September rolls around.
0: Okay. It's amazing. And it's all of September mm-hmm. and what com- just the 5K? That's what you're looking to do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah you know
2: I m- I might might do the 1500 at the trials and just just to see just to see um what kind of what kind of race that would be like um, because I, I've never actually run a 1500 blind, you know, in, because, you know, moving that, that pace, um, without being able to see that, well, is kind of a little bit more challenging than running a 5k say, you know? So, okay. so that's, right. you know, as so I've been able to run a mile and stuff, um, in workouts and stuff like that, but never really at that speed in an actual race. So, right. So, yeah. So I'm probably just going to focus on the, on the 5,000 on the track for that, um, for that event. And, um, you know, kind of
0: just go from there, and you're gunning for the gold, yeah, you know that's you're always Gunning the, for the gold the, it's
2: always the goal,
0: and there's yeah. that one guy you mentioned uh who you're you're shooting for this year, where is he from?
2: yeah, so he's Moroccan he's Moroccan, and, um, okay, yeah, so he actually has the world record for um my division, my classification for um for the Paralympics, and so you know his his record's thirteen fifty three um so you know that that time would be difficult to chase, but you never, know,
1: you never know what, what can happen out there. Do you want to call him out right now? On the <laughs> Start to
0: get some, get some uh, bad blood going. Yeah. So, Have you ever met him before?
2: No, no, I haven't. Um, a lot of these guys that, you know, are, are from, um, you know, different countries and stuff like that, you know, more the right. African countries and even Australia, There, are they're a couple of good guys from there. Um, you know, I haven't really met any, any of the blind runners that, You know, honestly, I haven't met any blind runners off of this continent. I'd say, you know, I just competed with the with the Pan American crew, and and that's that's about it for now. Yeah.
0: Now, being such a rare disease, uh, Elhan, Mm -hmm. have you met any other runners with that with that same? Actually,
2: yeah, Um, I have. um, There are a couple marathoners out in California that I do know um, that have that have my condition, and um, there's a guy down in the D.C. area that that has my condition as well. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, there, there are definitely people out there that, that, you know, are running and, and can still, can still run even despite having the same condition I have. So, I mean.
0: And you said you were, you were interested in doing your first marathon in December next year?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I actually just signed up, um, earlier this week. Okay. And, um, so yeah, that one is out in Sacramento. It's called the California International Marathon. Mm-hmm. So, you know we'll see at that point where where I am you know physically might and be might be a little banged up at that point but um you know if if I do make the paralympic team and all that goes well I'd like to continue my training at least until December so that you know, I can run that, and um, yeah don't worry. they keep Motrin in there.
0: the uh, medical tent. There. yeah yeah right. so that's you know. always important, yeah. yeah, so now, when you're doing something like that now when you're you're exploring a, you know a new race that you 're not familiar with mm-hmm. it's going to be throughout roads twenty six miles there's a lot that can go wrong that's where you're going to be taking advantage of achilles international, yeah, or you know um is that what it's referred to in Achilles international or yeah so
2: so that's one of the, the one of the foundations out there that kind of hooks blind runners up with with guide runners and so that they're able to run, you know, basically how any other runner would run. And so they, you know, the guide runner would just act as their eyes during the race and would help them go from the starting line to the finish line. Yeah. That's pretty much all there is to it. But um, Good
0: luck finding a guide runner that can run your pace. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, so that's the difficult part. You know, I have to look even beyond that and have to find, you know, other collegiate runners or, um, you know, I actually went out to the California International Marathon to run as part of a relay and I did around 14 miles of it. And, you know, the, the guy I, who was my guide, um, he was a duathlon champion, world champion, um, from Great Britain. And he just happened to live in the area of the marathon and said that he would, you know, run with me. And so, you know, he was, he was able to he was actually in better shape than I was at that point, And he's, um, he's 41 well actually 43. And so, um, you know, he was definitely able to hold the pace down and we had a great dialogue back and forth. And I kind of just used that as a, as just a longer tempo. And, you know, so we were running maybe five 45 miles right. for, for that, for that, um, period of time. And, you know, it was, it was my first experience with a guide
0: runner in a road race. So it was a really cool experience. And and yeah. you f- you feel... There has w- to be a bit of synergy with that. I mean... Absolutely. Now, it's the pace. I mean, you're probably... What about, like, you know, your step pace? I mean, if you're different heights, was he taller than you? Yeah, he's about 6'3", 6'4". 6'3", so he had a longer stride.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not... I'm, I wasn't tethered to him or anything like that. So okay. I was just running side by side, and he kind of just gave... Um, vocal cues gotcha. to me, so
1: that I was able to know what was going on and get but, out of
0: this guy's way because he's fast. Do you feel like you're?
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Do, 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 do you, and you feel under the proper conditions that you're able to go all out.
2: Oh yeah. Like so you I, I so you, go all out
1: so uh, but but you're you're able to step and and just dig down as deep as you have to. Yep. Despite the, you despite no your fear. disability,
2: y- you know um, when I started to compete again um, you know, I kind of just, I kind of said to myself at one point, you know, don't worry about where your feet are going, whatever happens happens, you know, you just got to worry about racing like everyone else races. And so then that's kind of what I did. And, you know, I don't really worry about, you know, my foot placement or have to worry about all that, all the rest of that, because, you know, that would, I think would hinder my, um, my success out there on the track or the roads or whatever it may be. Um, but you know, it it's kind of it's kind of cool like the uh California International Marathon has its own visually impaired start so that the start for that is oh, 5 yeah, is 5 yeah, minutes before yeah that is cool it's 5 minutes before the rest of the field so that's when i started with the um with the relay and so you know i was actually leading the whole marathon for the first 7 or 8 miles and you know so that's a really cool feeling as well nice yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I, I suppose Did uh, you actually act like you were winning the marathon? <laughs> oh, of course.
2: <laughs>
0: I suppose
1: it. I'm not going to bitch about my hamstring that gets a little tight now and then <laughs> as as much after listening to you. So, yeah. ideally down the road, it's going to be um I assume you, like raising awareness uh, towards alhan down the road. Mhm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I always I always love to um, you know, tell
2: people about it because it is such a rare disease and, you know, under ten thousand people, I believe in the entire world are even affected by it. Some some really low number like that, and you know because it is such a rare disease, not many people will put funding into it or anything like that. So there's not much right. on the horizon, right? In that, in that sense, so you know it's it's good knowing um, um, that people that other people know what it is, um, yeah. Even, even just for the sense that they understand what it is, you know, right. what the disease is,
1: because. Not to make light of it, but there's you know there's a hundred races for breast cancer a day, and, mm-hmm. and this is you, you know
0: it's something you'd want to bring attention 4, to. Four thousand people in the right. United States won't get the same kind of attention. Right, right.
2: And you know at the same time, I, I think yeah, it's um it's vision loss and, and stuff like that, but it's not you know it's not life threatening or anything like that. So I I don't look at it right like, as, as the same thing as as say these these other kinds of diseases and stuff that actually yeah. are life threatening. You know, so so I kind of look at it more um more so yeah, we're raising awareness for it, but you know, we're not necessarily a lot of the people in my community that have um have this disease, they're not necessarily looking to get their vision back. Um you know, of course they'd want their vision back, but it's not something they're actively, you know, concerned about all the time because you know, it's not something that's really going to threaten their their well-being necessarily. Right. You, know, you can you can still live perfectly fine even if you can't see and you don't have that vision. So
1: So you're not concerned like has there been a lot of research done on on the disease and and where it might be going with it or anything like that or
2: Yeah, you know, there there are some new gene therapies and um things like that that are coming up um and you know, are in clinical trial right now and and things that can definitely um you know, lead to lead to some success in the future, but as of now, you know, this may be five, ten years down the road, so that's that's really what we're looking wow. at now. Amazing yeah. story. For, so,
0: more immediately, tell everybody, tell our listeners how can they follow you up, up through the uh, Paralympic Games? Uh, are you, do you have, like, a Facebook page dedicated to your race? Do you do Twitter or, or, or anything are you like doing, that? Yeah, or? exactly. Is there a way that people can Maybe follow you? Maybe you should.
2: Yeah, I mean, I really don't, you know. Um, like, this whole thing, I, I kind of just do it because, you know, this is what I love to do. I kind of do it for me, so I'm... I'm not very really um concerned necessarily um with all of that so you know I never have really put that into um perspective per se but um you know maybe it's something that I definitely would would try to start doing.
0: You know what? Maybe what we'll do is follow up on you. We'll throw it up on our website. So I'd love to do a follow wanna, up. Yeah, if you don't mind, yeah, I'd love to do a post on uh, how your trials went and, mm-hmm. and I'm sure the Paralympic games are also broadcast on yeah. television so. Yeah. So that way, by that point, you're going to have good cheering uh, from uh, the couches at home. Yeah, maybe inspiring some people to get off their uh, tuckuses and start. Yeah, at least banging out a 5K, right?
2: Yeah, hopefully. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What's their excuse, right? It's windy. (laughs) (laughs) exactly and uh and how about December through March and also you're graduating this year congratulations yeah thank you and uh you said a um criminal justice and a minor in in psychology psychology. and uh anything you want to tell your uh prospective employers out there that uh definitely could pay you a lot of money and and uh hire (laughs) you right out of school (laughs) what kind of job are you looking for
2: you know, eventually, um, so I, I want to pursue my master's in social work and, you know, that, that'll be a little later down the road, probably about a year from now, because, you know, there, there is some, some blind independent living training that I want to go through so I can be better acclimated to, you know, society and everything like that. So I can really just be on my own, you know, that kind of thing. But then, um, you know, I want to go to grad school and then eventually get into therapy and, and that whole thing. So, um. You know, I kind of even want to work with people who may have gone through a similar traumatic experience or something in the middle of their life, and possibly help them get through those kind of things.
0: Yeah, nap it off. Yeah, exactly. you know, get over all, it in all three months naps. in the summertime before this cross country season hits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Let me tell you, you're really inspiring, uh, Chaz. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, um, thank you. And we're looking forward to following you through the Paralympic games and uh and. September. That's yeah. it. That yeah. running show. will be back. It's spring. Yeah. It's racing Coming season. Coming back uh, with our next show next week to talk about uh, some GPS watches with another Chaz. Yep. So, uh, from Sound Runner. Stay tuned for that, stay stay and tuned uh, for that. and
1: keep up uh, for a follow up with jazz davis yeah and um, we're
0: gonna start posting some stuff on our website as uh, as we are updated as well so yeah so uh hopefully you'll follow him throughout the uh the rest of the season and good luck to you jazz thank you um, all right thanks for joining us see you next week